Scramble Founders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our episode. My name is Mash from Sparrow. And this is Adrian from Clean Voice. And today we talk about common mistakes that no-code founders make. And it's a very hot topic, especially in a time where a lot of founders are realizing that they can just use a bunch of no-code tools, build their own stack, and get a product in front of their customers super, super fast. But there's a big but here. Adrian and I have noticed within ourselves and with other founders that oftentimes there's a lot of hiccups or mistakes, however you want to put it, that founders make early on in their journey, which kind of delays how they go to market and it delays how they get their first customer, et cetera. So we have a couple of points we want to kind of share, you know, our mistakes, things that we've learned from others. And I'll start off by saying that the number one thing a lot of founders can work on is they mistakenly prioritize form over function. And what I mean by that is, you know, they're just trying to look pretty. They're trying to make things look really good, but they're focusing less on the actual function of the product. The thing is, when you're building a startup, your job is to make something that people want to buy. And it's not to pretend to look busy because that's what most of us do in the beginning. At least that's what I did. My website is built on Squarespace. And in the beginning, I probably spend more hours on Squarespace than I did on actually perfecting my service. And the benefit of no code, guys, is that it basically takes away your headaches from building the tech stack so that you can focus on your product and your actual customers. What I mean by that is, and when I say product, I don't mean programming and developers and all that. I mean, the core functionality of what you're building and who you're building it for. What pain points are you solving? And that means understanding the jobs to be done for your product, for your users, and having consistent user interviews. This is very, very important. My mentors taught me that every week I need to talk to three to five people who are kind of in my target market, kind of in my ICP, however you want to say it. But what's critical is getting on these phone calls and talking to people to understand their actual problems, understanding their pains, understanding their context, where they are in their lives, in their business, and how exactly you can solve their problem. Because these will have heavy impact in how you build your product. One quick story I want to share, and then I'll hand over the mic to Adrian. This was in January this year. Our revenue was less than $1,000. And I did not understand our service offerings properly. I just knew how to kind of sell here and there. But I was about to spend six to $9,000, I think, or was it four to $8,000 on a very good developer to basically build out a website which automates scheduling. Crazy. Because if you think about it, Kalenly literally is, it, is that. So my mistake was I wanted to look pretty. I wanted to look as beautiful as my competitors but my product wasn't even developed. I didn't even nail down my offer. I didn't even nail down my my actual customer profile or the jobs that I'm trying to get done for my service, right? So that was a big mistake. Ultimately did not end up going through with it, but remember to focus on the actual pains you're solving because that's what the no-code tech stack does for you. It simplifies the building of the tool so that you can get to solving problems quicker. A related problem to form over function is overthinking design. And especially founders, they like to spend time building a great design, making a cool logo, making those pixels look nice. And I think like most founders should not focus too much on that part. If you want to create a logo for your startup, just remember that less is better. 
and, and it's a principle you should generally approach when you run your startup. So if you want to create a logo for your company, you just need five minutes. You first go to Google Fonts, which is a repositories of different typefaces, and try to find the font which fits your story brand. Just as a general tip, if you want more futuristic, maybe start with a font called Inter or Clara. If you have a more, let's say, classical startup about writing, or maybe it's not so high tech, then you could find something with a sheriff font, like even Times New Roman or whatever you find on your Word document is also fine for that. For colors, you don't need to spend too much time for that. There's a website called colors.co. You can find it in the show notes, which just with a click of button allows you to generate a color scheme for your logo and in general for your brand. It takes like five minutes to find your perfect color scheme. And after you've found your font and your color, then you could find an icon for your logo. And you could either outsource that um, there are a lot of designers who could do that, but I think for, for the first step, you can just go to nonprojects.com. Um, they are basically a huge repository of different icons. I think they have around 3 million icons. Put some keywords related to your problem or your business. Find an icon which you like, and then you're good to go. You can ensemble all these together. So you put your icon with your font together in order to create your logo and with the colors from your color screen, and that's about it. And those color scheme which you use, you can also use it for your website, and for website creation, mash immense Squarespace. Um, there, if you're creating a e-commerce website, then Shopify is the way to go. And yeah, other website generators are like, which are, you could consider, is cards, which is the cheapest option from all. And if you want to create something more advanced, then Webflow would be something you should consider. Um, these tools we've, we've mentioned are quite popular in the no-code space, so you might be familiar with them, but you don't need to go too fancy when it comes to design and uh, colors and the uh, logo. In, um, in general, if, you, if you're spending like half an hour on a certain image or how a certain element of your website looks, that's wasteful time. As long the person can read the text on your website, the things are somehow logically put together, you don't need to think about it too much. A one tip, a final tip about design and avoiding overthinking it is that you can start creating your website in just in black and white. Um, you don't even need colors. You don't need even fancy icons or something like that. You can literally just run your whole setup on just black and white and a single font. That's all enough to make your first sale of your startup. And yeah, finally, one thing which I've personally wasted time, that is business cards, trying to build my perfect business card. I come to realize nowadays that you don't really need them. Most time you can just connect with the personal LinkedIn and yeah, you don't necessarily need a business card to really engage with your customers, um, especially in the B2B space. I think after your comment around black and white websites, you're going to get very angry UI and UX developers uh, just bad mouthing our podcast because of that one comment. But it's it's true, like just simplifying whatever needs to be done so you can get the product in front of people instead of trying to have three different and 100 different color gradients on your website. Big fan of that. 
Speaking about simplifying things, one thing I want to touch upon, Adrian, is simplifying the workflow for your customers and for your product. In the beginning, remember, I was very close to hiring someone for around 5,000 USD or Canadian for to build out my whole website, right? The problem is I didn't really consider the main jobs my product was trying to solve for my customers. And as a result, I had my bias and I wanted to make it pretty and hear this part. I wanted my website to become prettier because my competitors had full-blown web pages on Webflow and WordPress and I felt limited. The problem here is I was letting my bias take over. And when you're a solo founder, Adrian, I think you'll agree with this. It's very easy to kind of fall down that hill where you make everything about yourself, but it really shouldn't be. And so simplifying the workflow becomes very easy when you build a product based around the jobs that your customers are trying to get done. Again, the jobs that you're being hired for, that is critical. And going back to my previous point that comes from having these user interviews, and Adrian and I have a bunch of questions that we usually ask on these interviews. So if you're interested, reach out to one of us and we'll just send you the PDF. But when you understand the main problems your customers are trying to solve and the alternatives they're trying to solve it with, their current problems that they're solving with other tools, with your competitors' tools, and you can really, I guess, bring it down to simplistic levels, your product becomes something that solves that problem and just that problem only. And you don't have to pretty things up and overcomplicate your workflow. To give you an example, at Sparrow, everything that we do, Adrian, is literally, I would say, 90% email. It's really funny. I never thought this would be the case. I thought I would be an automated website, a fully automated marketplace, But the truth is, people don't buy automation for what we're selling. What people buy is help. That's what they're getting. They're getting help from people who know how to build go-to-market strategies, SEO plans, and paid media campaigns. Most of this work isn't through automated Calendly integrations. It's through email. The world's most top consulting firms do their work over email. They don't use Calendly yet. I'm not sure if they do. So I told myself, if my customers are trying to get 90% of their work done over email, if I'm spending 90% of my time writing emails to my customers, setting up everything through email, why am I so obsessed about having an automated Calendly API with my web flow set up? You know, like it just didn't make any sense. So I had to simplify my workflow. And what it does, it makes things more intuitive. You get to not waste time on overcomplicating things and adding tech stacks that just don't make sense. And over time, you will be able to cut unnecessary costs. And this is very important in the beginning. Um, If in the beginning, you're trying to automate too many things, what ends up happening is you start purchasing tools and you start finding ways you can integrate it to your tech stack. And I almost bought a Kalenly subscription, by the way, Adrian. Like my my thought process was, I got to make it super easy for my customers to book time with with my advisors. So I should buy a Calendly integration and just onboard all my advisors. Man, the moment I came up with that idea, Sparrow was making less than, I don't know, $100 in monthly transactions. Having a Sparrow integration for each advisor would have cost me $200. It made zero sense because my product wasn't even ready. It wasn't solving the problem of automation. It was solving the problem of growth strategies and growth execution. That has nothing to do with Calendly. So again, simplify your workflow. Think and obsess about your customers' tasks, your customers' pains, and the exact jobs they're trying to get done, and build backwards from there. Don't make the product all about yourself. However, once you found 
a working product once you have defined your processes for your startup and you know a bit more forward in your startup journey then the opposite advice applies so a mistake which founders do at this stage is that they're not automating what they're repeating so automating small repetitive actions through software is actually beneficial at this stage so as a tech developer sorry as a tech startup founder and someone who comes from the tech world we generally do this all the time as developers we always write code to automate our stuff and this is something which no code founders then forget to do or they outsource through virtual assistants so you know in engineer they create simple systems which they automate and you know because they want to prevent failure of memory so not forgetting stuff to prevent energy overwhelmment also stop this decision making fatigue and overall automating the predefined processes helps you also delegate it to software so taking mash example example he realized that he doesn't need a calendly subscription but what he does is write a lot of email now over time he will definitely define process which he already defined of course and he will send maybe similar emails all the time well in his case what you can do is use a tool such text expander which is basically a tool which allows you to save message templates phrases of text or or even talking about a web design colors so the hex codes of your brand colors and with a tool like this mash could then um write his emails quicker especially since he's writing most of the time very similar emails all the time so you should definitely stop uh, thinking about these small tasks try to first identify these small things which you're doing all over again and ask yourself if you could automate this in certain way is there any recurring task which you're doing all the time and after you identify these things try to see if you can find a no code solution to automatize this sometimes you can find a free tool out there and one of the common ways to automate automate your processes in your startup could be a tool like if this and that so ifttt or zapier and yeah uh, that's is my advice on that it's funny you mentioned zapier dude cuz i literally just started using it but in the beginning right when i would get an email where someone would show interest in booking a session on spare or talking to an advisor i would i i would make them fill in a form on my website and then the form would come to me and then i would send them a personalized loom video and then i would say hey thank you so much for showing your interest in sparrow let's hop on a 3 minute phone call 20 minute phone call in the next few weeks etc right but now what i've been doing is i have a zapier integration so that when someone puts an email right on my hero and just for everyone's awareness a hero is what people see when they first come to your website even before scrolling down so if you go to adrian's website it's literally what you see when you go on his website that's called a hero has the headline has a subheadline and generally has a bit of description or something like a CTA. Um so in the beginning I used to have these manual conversations etc. Now what I've been trying to do is setting up a Zapier integration so that when someone does pull in an email they automatically get emailed through Zapier 
this e- I'm going to say email again, but they automatically get emailed this thing from me where it says, hey, thank you so much for signing up on Sparrow. Here's my Calendly link. Would love to hop on a 20-minute call with you to understand what exactly you're trying to solve, etc." But in the beginning, I didn't do that because the automation was always there. It just didn't make sense for me to try doing something that I wasn't even sure how to do. Because at that point, I'm still trying to understand my customers' problems, where they're coming from, et cetera. And speaking of that, and here's my last point, one of the items, Adrian, that I've seen working with a lot of indie developers and indie SaaS founders through Twitter, especially, you know, these guys are under two, $3,000 in MRR. Most of their projects are hobby projects that just took off through their Twitter audience. And they would tell me, Mash, you know, I just really don't want to do sales. I'm like, bro, like, sure. They're like, yeah, so I want to hire someone. I'm like, what do you mean? They say, yeah, I want to hire. I want to outsource this piece. I just don't know who to hire. But that's the thing, right? Like I understand. So I'm by default an introvert. I pretend to be an extrovert and I'm very good at it like Jim Carrey. But the problem is if you outsource the fundamental functions of your startup in the early days, forget the, I mean, sure, like it costs money and maybe you just, you're just shy. It's okay. The problem is that this is a gold mine of information you're just choosing to avoid. When you get on a call with a founder and let's say that your product is not a good fit for them, on that call, there's only three things that can happen. A, they're going to pretend for 20 minutes and get off the call with you and ghost you. Two, they'll be rude with you and say, you're wasting my time. This is not what I want, et cetera. Or number three, which is usually what happens is they'll get on a call with you. They'll be like, look, man, this is not what I'm looking for, Mr. Founder. I'm looking for this, this, this. Are you able to help me? And they'll give you feedback on your tool. Like that to me, sales is just that. So in the beginning, my experience tells me that you should not outsource the key aspects of running your business, especially when it comes to sales and user interviews. If you have a co-founder, leverage that guy or girl to do those interviews. But outside of that, don't outsource the basics that you need to know to simply build a product that people would love and would want to pay for. And I do want to... I guess, close that point off by saying in the beginning, the rejections and the failures and the ghosting and all of these things that you'll be facing will actually give you more information about how to or not to build out your product. Every rejection and every phone call with founders that you may or may not be targeting is always some sort of feedback about where your product should go. So if that means getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, You should do it in the early days because that's how you increase your chances of success and product market fit. And I'm sure Adrian will will agree with that as well. So, you know, it's okay if if you're not the most uh, energetic person on a podcast or the, you know, the loudest person in the room when you're on these calls, but the more connected and close you are to your customers and your product and the actual jobs you're trying to solve, the better you ultimately end up getting. And that's how you lower your chances of failing when building a company.